Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. and healed is our series. And Pastor Jude mentioned this scripture, but I want us to read it together on the screen as we jump in today. The scripture is Hebrews chapter 13, verse four. And this is what it says. Let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Let the marriage bed be held. Everyone say held in honor among all. We wanna uh, speak about a message today titled Love Handles. I said it, love handles. Did you see how many men just leaned in when I said that? They're like, yes, this, I can get behind this, let's go. We wanna talk about love handles because really we believe that when you get into God's word, what you will find is some very practical handles on how to hold our marriage in a way that will bring honor and healing where it needs it. The big idea today is that we really believe that if you hold your marriage right, it will bring health and wholeness to it. How you hold your marriage will determine the health of your marriage. And I'm not even gonna ask this question because it's a dumb question, but if I asked, how many of you want a healthy marriage? Everyone would raise their hands, whether you're married today or you'll be married in the future. You'd say, yeah, yeah, I want a healthy marriage. But if you've been married for any stretch of time, what you'll know is your marriage won't be healthy just because you want it to be healthy. It'll be healthy if you hold it correctly. And so we want to get the love handles from scripture so that we can have the marriages that God designed us for. You know, a handle is given to something so that you can hold it effectively. I want you to take this this mug, for example. There's many ways I could hold this mug. I could hold it from the top. I could hold it from the bottom. I could hold it like this when I wanna warm up my hands. and, And that's fine. And it works like that for a while. But the moment it gets slippery or you put something really hot in it, or after a while, your hands are gonna get tired. And the only real effective way, and I wanna cue in on that word effective, the only way to effectively hold this mug is to hold it by the handle. The handle is designed and given to something so that you can grasp it and hold it effectively. And then there are some things that actually are designed with handles for the purpose of being held by two people, like this cooler right here. This cooler is designed with handles for two people to hold it together. And and if we're gonna hold this correctly, if I'm holding my handle and she's holding her handle, we can actually do a lot with this cooler. We can carry it long distances. You can even fill it with ice and food and drinks, and it might be heavy at times, but if we're holding the handles that it was designed with, we can still get to the mission far off, amen? (laughs) Marriage is a lot like a cooler. It was given handles, and if both people hold them properly, even when life brings weights, even when life brings things like bills and kids and frustrations and tensions, it might slow down at times, but if you're holding the handles that you were given, you will accomplish the mission. Someone say, amen. And so what we want to do this morning is we wanna look into God's word and go, God, what are the handles that you gave us in marriage that will enable us to have a healthy and effective marriage? 
And so you go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, what you will find is that God gives original handles to the marriage. And this is the way he designed it to be healthy and whole and go the distance. Those two original handles start with the husband and then to the wife. So let's look at the first handle that he gives to the husband. This is the handle. He says, husband, you are the head of the home. This is your handle. This is your responsibility. This is the role that I, God, have given you for your marriage. Just to kind of paint the picture of the head of the home, this speaks of a, a covering. This speaks of a protection. This really speaks of a spiritual authority over your wife, over your children, and in your home. So this covers a lot of things. This speaks of provision. This speaks of protection. It really speaks of a spiritual authority. Now, it doesn't mean that the husband is the only provider or the only protector or the only authority. Certainly the wife comes along and Keola will talk about this in a moment and helps her husband in this endeavor. But when God speaks of the head of the home, what he's speaking to is the one he holds accountable and responsible for those things in his home. He calls the man to be the leader of his wife and of his home. And the leader is just very simply the one who goes ahead, the one who goes first. And before you guys get real excited about that, it's not necessarily the one who gets to go first in the dinner line or the one who gets to get on the amusement park ride first. It's the one who serves first. It's the one who goes ahead and protects first. It's the one who goes before the Lord first. It's the one who humbles himself and sacrifices first. This is the handle that God gave to the man. Yeah, and women, we were created to be the helper. Eve, when she was created, God said, you are to be the helpmeet. And so let's bring some clarity to that. This word in the original Hebrew is found 21 times in the Old Testament. And it's often the word that the Lord uses to describe himself when he comes in to aid Israel in strength and victory and battle. It's a very powerful term that we've been given and created with. We were created to help aid our husbands and to come alongside them and to bring strength and victory in life. This is not a term that we should be ashamed of. This is a term that we should hold high and be very proud of when it comes to how we were made and what our handle is in marriage. Very clearly in Genesis, what we see was Adam was created to be the head. Eve was given to be the helper to complete him. And when they functioned in these roles, they lived a life without hardship, without flaw, without sin, and in perfect unity until one day a serpent comes on scene. And the serpent twists up and distorts what God had said, and Eve buys into it. And she doesn't, she's not only going to disobey God, but she's going to bring her husband along that path with her. And because of this, not only would she del deliberately disobey, but he would deliberately disobey, and sin would enter into humanity. And God's going to pronounce judgment for this action in Genesis 3.16. And he says, Eve, because you have done this, because you have disrupted the marriage, from now on your desire shall be for your husband, but he will rule over you. And I've heard several ideas about what this word desire means, so I went and researched it. And what God is actually saying here is Eve's new desire will be to rule over her husband. This word for desire in the Hebrew means to overtake and dethrone. And so her new desire, because sin has entered the picture, will be to steal his leadership from him. She will oppose Adam going forward. And Adam because of this response from Eve, will abandon his God-given role of leading, protecting, guarding, caring for his wife, 
and it will be replaced with a desire to lord over or domineer Eve. Because of their sin, this is going to be the new ongoing struggle that marriages will have to deal with going forward. I don't know about you. I don't know if anyone, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, if anyone in here has ever dealt with this, but I know that we certainly did, especially in the beginning of our marriages. I can remember after we first got married, there was this constant undercurrent of a power struggle between the two of us. I constantly felt like I was clawing my way to get my voice heard or to be obeyed. I wanted complete control of my home, and I just wanted him to follow along. That was my plan for marriage. And in return, I remember feeling from Steve like he was trying to hold me down or shut me up or make me less than what I was created to be by the Lord. And it wasn't because of anything that Steve had done to me or anything that I had done to Steve. We were feeling this way because of the dysfunction that Adam and Eve had created in that original sin. What we didn't understand were the handles that God had given us for marriage in the original design. So God shows us this original design. And so we see this in the book of Genesis and then it begins to explain and make sense of why some of us are experiencing that similar dysfunction even today, thousands of years later. And so we see these handles. God gives Adam the handle of head of the home. But because of sin, we find many men are abdicating their authority. So instead of taking the lead, they're following. Instead of taking action, they're passive. Instead of taking initiative, they can be lazy. Instead of serving or sacrificing, they're selfish. And then you also see women, they've been given the handle of being a helper and coming alongside their husband in victory, but they're desiring this rule over their husband. So instead of being respectful, they're resentful. Instead of being esteeming, they become demeaning. Or instead of submission, which is beautiful in the eyes of God, there's a subversive nature to their marriage. And this happened because sometime along the way, the handles became broken or the handles were let go of. But how many of you are thankful this morning that when the dysfunction entered the garden, God didn't just turn his back, but he sent Jesus to restore humanity and he sent his spirit to bring health and wholeness into everything that would yield itself back to him. And so we have the helper of the Holy Spirit to grab a hold of the handles once again that we might walk in the health and the design that God brought for our marriages. Because how you hold your marriage will determine the health of your marriage. What we wanna focus on the remainder of today is we wanna focus on the handles that will allow us to honor our marriage and the handles that will help us to heal our marriage. And if you honor your marriage, you'll be able to walk in health. And if you bring these handles in, you'll be able to heal your marriage where you need it as well. And so for Kiel and I, a lot of what we're gonna share today, we actually learned in premarital counseling and then we're able to learn how to walk them out throughout the last 11 years of our life. And so we learned three handles and it's the handle of believing, the handle of speaking and the handle of serving. I wanna give you a moment to write those down because we're gonna give you a lot of how-tos and take-home things. We're hopefully gonna give you a bunch of that will work tomorrow on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. But these handles are gonna look like believing, speaking, and serving. Let's start with handles to honor our marriage. Again, Hebrews 13.4, our series verse says, let marriage be held in honor among all. Holding our marriages in honor has to begin with believing what God thinks about marriage before what we think about marriage. 
You know, everyone's got an opinion about marriage. Your mom has an opinion, your dad has an opinion, your friends have an opinion, the world certainly has an opinion. There's only one opinion about marriage that's gonna bring health and that's God's. You know, there's an inevitable challenge that come into marriage and you'll know this because it's two people becoming one. It's two belief systems, it's two value systems, it's two senses of humor, it's two, it's two ways of doing things. And inevitably there's conflict when you're trying to create a singular out of two, right? The best way to find healing and honor in your marriage is when you make a determination earlier on to say, hey, listen, I know we both have different experiences, but we're gonna lay them down and we're just gonna believe what God said about marriage. He created marriage, he started marriage. And so we're gonna surrender our experience. We're gonna surrender our thoughts. We're gonna surrender the opinions of others. And we're gonna lean into what God says about marriage. Because when you get in his word, what you will find is that God gives you handles for your finances. He gives you handles for your sex life. He gives you handles for raising children. He gives you handles for running a business and, and having friendships. And so the quicker you determine that I'm gonna believe what God thinks about marriage, the healthier your, your marriage will become. Yeah, so the first handle, once we get this belief that our marriage should be held in honor, the second thing we're gonna do is we're gonna start to speak that way. We need to speak in a way that honors our marriages and our spouses. Matthew 12, 34 is very clear of this. It says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What this means is what you actually believe will flow from your mouth. So once you actually believe that my marriage should be placed in a position of honor, you will begin to speak that way over it. Proverbs 18, 21 is another great verse. The power of life and death is in the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I heard a quote once that said, you very likely have the spouse and the marriage that you say you have. Oftentimes what happens within marriages is we are simply think that we're responding to the situation at hand with our words. But what we don't recognize that we're doing is we're perpetuating the issue. It's always gonna be the way that you say it is. So if you refer to your wife as an old ball and chain, it's very likely that you're gonna experience her as an old ball and chain. You're, she, you're gonna feel and make her feel like she's holding you back or she's slowing you down or she's, you're dragging her along in this thing called life. We have to stop using phrases like that. Ladies, if you continue to complain about how lazy your husband is and how he's not meeting your needs, it's very likely you're going to experience a lazy husband who's not meeting your needs. We have to watch what we're saying about our spouses in our marriages. There are things that we should be saying, and there are things that we should absolutely not be saying within our marriages. And can I also say here that not speaking in moments when you should be speaking speaks volumes. If there are things that you should be saying that you're purposely holding back because of spite or because you just don't want them to know today how much you love them, it speaks volumes. You're hurting your marriage. We have to get this handle for speaking. And some of the ways that we practically do this in our marriage is we have established boundaries for conflict. We know we're going to fight. Fighting is a, is a perfectly fine thing that happens in marriage. It can be healthy as long as it's done correctly. There have to be boundaries and there have to be clear lines that will not get crossed within the argument. For example, boxing is a literal fighting sport. But boxing can be very honorable as long as it's done within the context with the rules that have been placed on it. First and foremost, within boxing, you have to stay within the ropes. 
There's no going out of the ring. Once you step out of the ring, the fight is over. So for us, the way that we applied this to our marriage is where there are places where we can fight and where we absolutely will not. You will never see Steve and I take our fights to, the, to, the, to our friend's barbecue. We're not doing it. We will also, we learned this one the hard way, not fight at our mother-in-law's house. <laughs> because... Tell them why. <laughs> because... <laughs> what will inevitably... This is good. Yeah, there's life lessons here. What will inevitably happen is our in-laws will pick up an offense for us. And while we can go home and have the best makeup sex of our lives and be fine... Our parents can't do that. They can't do that with us. With us. Weird. <laughs> but then the next time I want to go and tell my mom about how much I adore my husband and I love him, she's like, uh, don't you remember what he did last week? Because she hasn't had the same opportunity to forgive him. And so we just don't take our fights everywhere. There's also moments when I'm going to have to say some hard truths to Steve about what I'm feeling and how I feel like he's doing in marriage. And there are moments when he needs to say some hard things and hard truths back to me that I need to hear. But what I don't want to do is step into a place of dishonor. And so I'm not going to do this or have this fight in front of people where he might feel dishonored by me. The second thing that we do, and we take this cue from boxing, is there is a, you start and you stop when the bell rings. If there is any moment, if you've ever watched a boxing match, what you'll know is there's a referee who will step in. And if somebody is getting too fatigued or the timer has run out, he will separate the boxers and say, take a moment, get yourself, regather, collect yourselves, and then you start again. There are moments within our marriage when I will say, I have to tap out. I need a moment to recollect my thoughts, to regain composure because I'm very close to crossing a line. I'm going to say something that I can't take back. So, and then he has to allow me the moment to regain composure. But I also have to know that because the bell has rung to stop, it's going to ring again to restart the fight. We have to figure this out. But there has to be moments of starting and stopping. We don't have to fight endlessly. That doesn't have to happen. And the last thing is that there are places that you are allowed to hit in boxing, and there are places that are known as below the belt. Once someone has been hit behind, below the belt, the fight is over. You have lost. You have forfeited the entire fight. That's how we are. Once you hit below the belt, there are things within our marriage that we know you cannot say that in a fight. You can't bring that up. You can't throw that at me. It's off limits. It's below the belt. It will wound too deep. And so these are the things that we hold, the boundaries that we have with fighting in marriage. The Greek word for this scripture, held in honor, means precious, as of great value. And we learned this scripture actually in premarital counseling. We were going through it with our pastor at the time, and he taught us this. And he said, I want you to remember that your marriage is priceless. It's like an heirloom that has been passed down from generation to generation. And so what would you do with something like that? You want to place it high up on a shelf, not down in the day-to-day -day life so that it can get damaged. Place it high up on the shelf so that you can see it, so it can be honored and displayed and respected and in sight, but out of the chaos of life. In our home, we have four kids. It's complete chaos. If you ever come to my home, you need to know it's complete and utter chaos in my house. In my living room at any given time, there's a fight, there's a dog jumping, there's a cartwheel happening, and there's a ball being chucked at someone's head. 
This is the nature of life. And I love it because this is, this is my home and it should be lively. I would never take an heirloom that has been passed down from my great-great-grandmother and stick it in the middle of the living room in the, all of that chaos. This is the same thing with our marriages. Fights are inevitable. They're fine. But when your marriage is placed in the proper place, you don't have to worry about it being broken in the midst of a fight. Our marriage, if you will, our marriage vase is never brought down into the chaos. One of our handles here is that we do not threaten separation or divorce, ever. In all 11 years of our marriage, this has never come from our mouths. We do not put this on the table. So when we believe what God says about marriage and we begin to align our words with what would be honorable towards our spouse and our marriage, it can't stop there. It has to go into serving because our actions have to line up with what our words say. Anybody say talk is cheap, but actions really show what it is. I love the scripture in 1 John 3 verse 18. It says, dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other, but let us show the truth by our actions. The practical way we can do this is we can begin to serve our spouses in ways that honor our spouse and honor our marriage. We love to be served. Everyone loves to be served. That's why we go out to restaurants. That's why we go to hotels. That's why we go to resorts because we just want moments where people are serving us. One of the greatest mistakes that we make in marriage is because of busyness and pressure and time and all the things of life, we begin to move away from the posture of serving the needs of our spouse and we begin to take the posture of wanting our needs to be served. The problem is, is when our mission is to have our own needs met, we will both feel frustrated. But when our mission is to serve the needs of each other, we will both feel honored. If my mission, and, every, and listen, life gets crazy and life gets difficult and some seasons are much worse than others, but there is a commitment that we can make to one another to say, listen, no matter how busy it gets out there, you get the first part of me. I will honor you before I deal with everything else. And so just a couple practical handles. How can we begin to honor our marriage through our serving if this isn't a regular part of your life? I wanna challenge every marriage here this week to do this and ask this question. And when you ask a question, you gotta be prepared to get an answer. But ask your spouse this question. What is something I could do this week that would make you feel loved and honored? What's something I could do? And here's another great question. What's something I used to do that made you feel loved and honored that I have stopped doing. And if we can lean into this moment, just some small actions like this, it will begin to honor our marriage above ourselves. This is another great way we can honor our marriage and serve our marriage is actually by praying for one another. But let me specify, I don't just mean praying in your quiet time or praying on the way to work and all of that's good, but pray in a way that they can audibly hear you. Pastor Michael and Gabrielle gave some examples last week on how to do this. But here's why I say this serves your spouse and honors your spouse. Because when your spouse hears you contend and cover for them in prayer, it begins to show them that you honor and that you want this marriage to work and be healthy and grow. Pray for your spouse audibly. These are, these are some things I believe that if we put into practice and hold on to, it can, it can make our marriages feel honored and begin the process of healing. Because the reality is, as I, I know that in a room like this, there are those that hear this and go, man, those are handles. Those are great. I'm going to put them into practice right away and it's going to make my marriage better. But there are some in this marriage who, or in this room today that would say, my marriage is so hurt. It's so broken. 
I love what you're saying, but I don't even know how to get to that handle. I feel like my marriage is slipping through my fingers. I'm grabbing on for dear life, but there's something about it that's just not working. And, and this is what I wanna say to every person in the room that would feel that way. We have hope for your marriage. We believe that through series like this and leaning in that God is doing something and he's working. But here's the other thing that I would say, these handles that we're talking about, they're not just handles to honor your marriage. I believe these handles begin to heal your marriage. And so I wanna lean into this for a moment. If you need healing, it starts with believing. You can't heal your marriage until you believe it can be healed. There's a story in the New Testament in Luke chapter 18 where Jesus is talking to a man who had a great need. And this is what he said, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. I believe that this morning in this room today, that the Holy Spirit is asking you, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for your marriage? I can tell you what God wants to do. God wants to heal it. God wants to restore it. God wants to bring healing where there is brokenness, but you have to want it as well. And if you want your marriage to be healed, start by believing that it can be. Start believing that God is going to do it. And then once you believe it, line up your words with what it is that you're believing. Begin to speak words that will heal your spouse. Begin to speak words that will heal your marriage. Let me start with the husbands for a moment and then Keola will speak to the wives. Husbands, the number one way we can bring healing to our marriage is with our words. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter five. Paul is teaching and he says this to husbands. He says, husbands, Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word. First of all, if husbands, if we are not washing our wives with our words, we need to start. Uh, silence is, is, is only a virtue sometimes. There are times where we need to open our mouths and give lyric or give expression to the things that we are feeling on the inside. But on the other times, many times we are washing our wives with words, but they're not words that heal, they're words that damage. Sometimes our words are demeaning and they're destroying and they're putting down. Can I challenge you men? Begin to find the words that will heal your wife and wash her with those things. Find words that will build her, words that will encourage her, words, words that will cause her to stand up straighter in her posture because she knows her man believes in her and is standing behind her and covering her. Men need to wash their wives with words that cleanse her. Very good. And wives, we, we need to start fighting for our husbands and our marriages with our words. Remember, we were created to help our husbands conquer. This is who we were created to be. We can bring victory to our marriages when we use our words to call out prophetically the men that we see and the men that we know God has created them to be. Yeah. Ephesians 4.29, this is where we're going to take our cue from. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Remember those old sayings when we were kids? I, I, I said these as a kid and I look back and it's like, oh Lord, but sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt you. Or I'm rubber, you're glue, it bounces off me, sticks to you. Am I the only one who said these dumb things? Did you guys? These are the dumbest things. And as adults, we know that these phrases are, they're lies. They're straight from the pit of hell because there are few things that can wound people and marriages 
deeper than the words that we speak. But if words can wound, then they can also bring healing. Proverbs 12, 18 is very clear on this. It says, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. What are we saying? Again, what are we saying about our marriages? What are we saying about our spouses? Are we calling out the great things that they do, the little things? Like, hey, I noticed that you took the trash out. That really meant something to me. Are we practically saying, hey, I felt loved when you did this the other day? Or are we only calling out the things that we don't like that they do? We have to start encouraging our men when they do things that make us feel good in our marriages. Some handles that we grab onto for speaking is first and foremost, and this is the hardest one, humble apologies. Humble apologies. We have to be willing to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, and ask for forgiveness. The book of James says that if you confess your transgressions and pray together, you will be healed. We have to be okay with saying, I was wrong, and stop trying to win arguments while losing our relationships. The second thing, and Steve talked about this, we need to pray together. There is something supernatural and so healing when we come together and begin to intercede for our marriage together. There is a commanded blessing from God on that unity. When we come in a covenant marriage and we begin to cry out to the Lord, Lord, do your will in our marriage, there is a commanded blessing that will come forth from that moment. And the last thing is we need to start speaking washing words over our spouse's insecurities. There is no one who knows my insecurities like this man. And he has a choice. He can either hurt me and come against my insecurities and make me feel smaller, or he can build me up in those places and say, I know that's maybe how you feel, but that is not how I see you. I see you the way that the Lord sees you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are more precious than rubies. You are more than a conqueror. You are God's masterpiece. We have to begin to to heal those insecurities in our spouses with the things that we say. And finally, I want to talk about serving. I want to invite the keys to come up as we bring this to a close. But we need to serve our spouse towards healing. We need to believe it can be healed. We need to line our words up with that same faith and believing, but then begin to take action towards healing. See, God will do what we cannot do, but he will not do what he's called us to do. And so there are things, very practically speaking, that men and women can begin to do that will bring a literal healing balm to your marriage in those places that are fractured. And you know what's beautiful is when God begins to heal something, he actually leaves a mark to show where the healing took place. It's called a scar. But scars aren't reminders of the wound. They're reminders of the healing that took place. And they become a testament to other people who need that same healing. And that's why marriages become evangelistic to the world because they can see a healed moment in the marriage and they can go, if you were healed, then maybe we can be healed as well. I heard this interview the other day with Mike Tyson, which is hilarious that I watched an interview with Mike Tyson. And they were talking about different things, but he said a statement that really rocked me as it relates to marriage. He said, you can tell where a society is going based on what they are advertising. And let me tell you, our church wants to advertise godly, healthy marriages. As our marriages go, 
so will our church, so will our community. So does your marriage need healing? Believe it can be healed. Speak words that bring healing, but also take action. So let me just talk to the husbands just for a moment and then Keola will talk to the wives. But I really wanna speak directly to you men. And I wanna charge you with things that I'm not perfect at, but I've been learning and growing in. First of all, your wife has a need that you can serve and that you're the only one that can serve this need. She has a need for security and for covering. God chose you to meet that need in her life. It's not just the need that we see represented in scripture in Genesis, but it's actually statistically, even outside of the church, the number one need that women say that they have. They need to feel secure and they need to feel covered. So how do we start this? Men, throughout this series, you may have uncovered some pretty deep things in your marriage. There may have been some things that come out and go like, man, there's some deep wounds, there's some challenges here. And the truth is you might need more than four weeks of church. You might need marriage counseling. You might need a mentor. You might need coaching. Men, take the lead, call the counselor and schedule the appointment. A couple years ago, Keel and I took marriage counseling and I will never regret it. We spent about two years working through some different things. I will never regret it because it changed and transformed us, but there is something I regret. She had to call the counselor, not me. She shouldn't have had to do that. I knew we were having issues. I should have called. I should have taken the initiative. I should have called our insurance to find out what, where they're gonna cover. You know, so, so man, if you need marriage counseling, do not wait for your wife to schedule it. Take the lead. She will follow you. Men, we'll get to you in a moment about this. We'll get to your wives in a moment about this, but your wife needs physical affection from you that is not sexual in nature. Hold her hand. Hold her hand. Rub her shoulders. Hug her. Offer her a massage that is only a massage. Hey, I'm giving you some love handles, okay? Man, if, you're, if you need healing in your marriage, let me tell you what your wife needs right now. She needs you to be more present. More present physically, meaning that maybe right now you need a little less guy time and more time with your wife. She needs you to be more present mentally. So turn off the game earlier. Put your phone down more. Initiate conversations with her. Be more present emotionally. In a conversation, I know this is gonna sound crazy, ask a follow-up question. <laughs> Dig deep down where you have a feeling and then tell her about it. It's funny, but there's some real deep truths in this. Process her feelings with her. And we have this nail in the head thing that we learned actually at a Mike Rovner and Janet Rovner date night, that sometimes she does not need you to fix her problem. She just needs you to sit with her and hear it out. That's okay too. And lastly, I wanna say this spiritually, be more present. You initiate the prayer time. 
you initiate coming to church and serving on a team and, and getting in counseling. You take the initiative because you've been given a calling, husband. God's given you a handle, a calling, and that calling is to be the head of your home to be the spiritual covering, to be the one that goes first. And I love in Ephesians chapter four, verse one, Paul says to the church, he says, I urge you to live a life that is worthy of the calling that you have received. Your wife has been called to follow you. Live a life that's worthy of that fellowship. Your wife has been called to submit to you. Live worthy of that submission. Your wife should not have to obey God in spite of you. She should be able to obey God in step with you. So take the lead and serve the need of your wife. Yeah, and wives, our husbands need some things from us as well. And just like Steve was saying, statistically speaking, the handles that God gives are statistically overall what we need. And for the husbands, they need to be honored and they need to be respected. It's who God has designed them to be as heads of our home. And I know for some marriages, I'm saying this and you're saying, but Keola, you don't, you don't understand. He does not deserve, he, does, he has not earned my honor. He has not earned my respect. No, there would have been a time in our marriage where I would have said that same thing. It doesn't matter. He deserves it because of who God has called him and created him to be. We have to start honoring our husbands and respecting them. Just try it. Give it a go. Ladies, just like we need moments of non-sexual touching, our husbands need sex. They need to be sexually touched. They need to be... <laughs> this is non-sexual touching, but later tonight. But <laughs> he needs to know that we desire him. He needs to know that I desire him the same way I desired him in the beginning of our marriage. We have to be initiating sex. We have, to, we have to flirt with him. I need to be telling him something sexy in his ear. And if you don't know how to do this, I am not good with this. So I have a tip for you, ladies, if you're like me, who's a little awkward in that. You can just put, if you know what I mean, at the end of anything, and he'll know what you mean. It works. I... I can literally be like, hey, babe, you want to fold laundry later tonight? You know what I mean? And he's like, do I ever know what you mean? And he gets it. He gets it. I say, it. I know what I would mean. I'm not sure what you mean, but I'll show you. Flirt. Bring some fun back into your marriage. Let him be desired. And lastly, we've, we've talked a lot about the men's call to be heads of our home. Ladies, we have to be leadable. We have to be willing to allow them to lead us. We have to be leadable. Stop trying to lord over your man. Stop trying to control every situation. Allow him the opportunity to lead you. And then when he messes up, because he will, because he's human, come alongside him and say, you know what? We messed up, but we'll get it right next time. I love you and I'm proud of you and I'm for you and that's okay. We'll do it better next time together. He might, just, he might just surprise you in this moment. Let's stand to our feet this morning. <laughs> I, um, we, we, we prayed and we asked God, Lord, help us. We wanna help people. 
And we don't know everything. We've learned a couple things. And most of you, many of you have been married longer than us. And so we've tried to look into God's word and say, God, practically speaking, what do you want? What do you want for your marriages? What works? And so we wanted this to be practical, but honestly today, more than practical, we want you to not, we want you to believe that this is possible. And it's not possible because we are great spouses and because we're great teachers or you're great. It's possible because we have the help of the Holy Spirit. Just like God gave Eve to Adam to be his helper in victory, God gave us the Holy Spirit to give us strength, to give us grace, and to give us what we need to lean in and be the husband and be the wife that God has created us to be. And so I wanna pray for you this morning. And we're gonna take communion in a few moments. And I really believe that God's gonna do supernatural work as we take communion together as husbands, wives, and in singles as well. But there's two things that I really believe God wants to do in those who are in this room this morning. The first is this, maybe you would sit here and you would say, I want that, but I know that I know that I need the help of the Holy Spirit. I, I can see it, but I don't know how to enact it. Can I tell you? Holy Spirit's here to impart something into you. You're gonna feel a Holy Spirit propulsion and a wind at your back and what seemed impossible yesterday will seem very possible today because of the help of the Holy Spirit. So I wanna pray for those who need the help of the Holy Spirit in their marriage. But I also wanna pray for those who would say, I need healing in me. I, I, I am finding it almost impossible to be the wife I'm called to be, to be the husband that I'm called to be because Somewhere along the line, I was wounded and I feel broken and I feel hurt. And this might be for some single people in the room today. You would say, I recognize there are things that I'm carrying that are hurting and that are damaging. And I don't wanna bring that into a marriage one day. I believe that the Holy Spirit is here to heal you as well this morning. And so this morning, we're gonna take a moment and pray. If that's you, you'd say, hey, I am believing for the help of the Holy Spirit in my life, or there's something going on that I want God to heal inside of me so I can be the husband or the wife that I, need, that I know God's calling me. If that's you, raise your hand real quick, and we're gonna pray together. So good. Go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. And if, that's, and if you didn't raise your hand and you wanna receive this, I would encourage you, raise your hand and lift him. We're gonna, we're gonna pray for just a moment. Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now to do what only you can do. God, we're gonna endeavor and commit to do what we can do, but we need you to do what only you can do. And so Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd bring the helper right now. Bring the helper into every relationship, every life, heal what needs to be healed, restore what needs to be restored so that we can walk in the grace and in the calling and in the gifting that you've given to us in marriage. Lord, we wanna take hold of these handles that you've provided for us in Jesus' name. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.